This is Legends Territory, best conversations with your favorite former players. And if you want more info on them, hit up baseballalumni.com, run by the MLB Players Alumni Association. Scotty Braun, Eric Kratz. Also, if you're watching this and you want to listen to it on the go, Apple, Spotify, type in Legends Territory. And now let's bring in a 14-year former big leaguer, a lot of time with the Dodgers, the Blue Jays, some Yankees action, four-time All-Star, Gold Glover, Silver Slugger, and a Canadian who was a force in this game for a long time and a super athlete too, who started at another position, Russell Martin, joining us on LT right now. Russell, how you doing and how's retired life? Doing good. And, and thanks for the intro, man. Appreciate it. Uh, life is good, man. Just uh, been hanging out, golfing, uh, hanging out with the family and, and just enjoying this nice Arizona weather lately. This is one of those times I don't do this often where the crowd that's listening to this on the pod should just tune in to the YouTube show, even if they listen to it straight through, you know what I'm saying? Where they they look back and if it's like you're having a rough day, like just look at the backdrop for Russ and just see like (laughs) the the chill, cool scene. It it looks like a, you know, like a Corona commercial or a beer commercial or something like that. You got like the nice blue sky with just a light, light cloud action in the background. It's probably like 82 degrees. So... Am I right? It's uh, in the shade. In the shade, it feels like 82. It's still pretty hot out here in Arizona, though. Right? It'll probably get up to like 100-something later. Oof. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, you find the AC and you find the shade over here. One of the things that Scotty didn't hit on with your whole uh, 14 years, all that stuff, you know how many years you didn't make the playoffs? That's a good question. I I think I went to the playoffs like 10, 11 times or something like that. So Pretty good. Right, he out, the Pirates run too. 11 right? out. He didn't catch it. He, he made it. And this he is, had this the is whole Pirates this is, this is This is what I, I'm getting at. And I, and I tell people this all the time. You know, as a catcher, I feel like you have a way of influencing teams' trajectories, how they're going to go in their season. And to make the playoffs, at one point you were – Nine of your first 11 seasons, you were in the playoffs as the starting catcher. To me, I say congratulations. I want to know from you. your standpoint what that – like, what goes into that? What is that like – because it just doesn't happen. You can't just be good-looking and, and get into the playoffs. <laughs> it's uh, – I mean, obviously, it's, it's – everybody plays a part in it, right? The whole team. Like, everybody's got to play a part in it. Um at the catching position, you're, 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 you're playing, you're kind of like a quarterback and, and kind of like an offensive coordinator at the same time. Right. So, um, you just, you kind of got to know your, your personnel and, um, and, and you just build that, you build that uh, relationship with the pitchers where they just have confidence in you. And, and if they feel like, you know, you're back there and you want to win as much as them and you care about what they're doing out there, um, you get the best out of them. And, and that's really all you're trying to do as a catcher is just whatever the guy has that day, just trying to get the best out of them. And um, and it's on days where they don't have their best stuff. If you can kind of get them through a decent start and, and keep your chance, you know, or keep keep your, your team in the game, that, that those are the difference. Because every win matters. Every pitch matters. Like the difference in a ball game can be one pitch or like one one ball that's called a – you know, it's a strike instead of a ball. Like it's, it, that's kind of how baseball is. Like it, it just, it, sometimes it boils down to one pitch and, um, and the way I was, I, I would fight for every single pitch out there. You know, that's just the way I was. I just, I played the game to win and, 
Um, you know, I think every single one of my teammates always knew that, like it was team first and, and just winning. And that's what I was all about. And, and, and hopefully I rubbed off the right way on guys. And, um, and we just, every team I've been on, that's just kind of like the, uh, it, it was always, you know, the importance of winning. And also like when you're on a team that that's in contention, you never really have that, like just playing for your own stats and, and it gets kind of ugly too. And that's not the fun baseball to, to play. The baseball you want to play is like when you're in contention in August or, you know, in September and all the games matter and it's easy to play the game that way. You know, it's easy to play to win. Um, it's when you're out of it, like midsummer, and then you got to go to the field. It's in, it's a drag. And, and, and I was fortunate enough that not have to do that too much. Um, but yeah, man, like being a catcher, you just, you have an impact on every single pitcher that's out there. And, um, and, and when those guys trust you, it, it just makes your, your job that much easier. Yeah. You cared about your ABs too, not just the pitches that like you would, you would, Russ would argue about pitches when he was hitting. <laughs> and then he would argue about pitches behind the dish. And I remember some umpires, they would just be like, man, this dude is arguing both sides. <laughs> But it's fr- but, frowned upon. It's frowned upon. It's frowned upon. <laughs> but you, but you dug into it, and I have to say, all that to be said, two dudes that I think are one is going to be in the Hall of Fame, another one that's still in the trajectory of going to the Hall of Fame. Two absolute competitors said the same thing about you. If there was a catcher, because I'd always go to new teams all the time, tons of different teams, and I'd ask them like the studs, like what, who, who did you love throwing to the best? CC Sabathia and Garrett Cole both said Russell Martin. And he's like, I could care less what pitch he called. He said, if he called it, I agreed with it. I could, I, there were some times where they were like, they go, they both said this. And it was at two different times, CC at one time and Garrett at another time. They were like, I don't believe in that pitch, but. If it's Russ back there, he's going to either argue with me if I don't throw it or he's going to argue with the umpire if he doesn't call the pitch. So it was crazy. It was crazy that they both, two elite all-star pitchers, said the same thing about you. That's funny. That's funny. That's, it's, I mean, that's a huge compliment. But, uh, yeah, man, it just – I got I just, you know, the competitive spirit, you know, and, it, and it's so funny because off the field I'm – I'm completely different, you know, like it's just when it comes to competition, there's just something that, you know, this takes over me and, and, you know, I just become this, this lunatic that just, you know, just craves to win and, and wants to win and, and, and just battles through, through anything. Um, and then off the field, I'm kind of like, you know, a lot smoother, you know, and I've had so many guys, so many teammates were like, dude, I thought you were a dick, man. Like playing against you. Like you, we'd walk up to the plate. You don't even say hi. And it's like, and honestly, it wasn't on purpose. I was just so in the zone or thinking about like the next pitch to call or who's on deck and like, you know, all those things that are going through your mind when you're a catcher. Um, you know, the last thing I'm thinking about is, 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 you know, saying hi or, or, you know, you know, trying to have a conversation with somebody that's, and, and it wasn't because, you know, I was trying to be a dick or whatever. I'm just, it, it just focused. Right. Um, and then guys were like, dude, you're, you're not who I thought you were. Like once they get to know me or whatever. And it's just, it's kind of funny, but um, I've, I've, I've gotten that quite a bit. Well, with that being said, you know, you've had your, your time with the umps explaining yourself. Do you uh, see a world where that won't 
exist for arguing balls and strikes. I'm sure you've kept up with the news that, you know, we could have either a total ball strike automatically called by a machine system, or at the very least, a challenge system seems to be what a lot of players are are buzzing about this year. Like, yo, just give me a chance on some of those real bad ones where the whole team is screaming and we can just go to the video board and someone's right and someone's wrong. Like, have you kept up with that? And what would you want? Yeah. I like the challenge. The challenge system would, would make sense, you know, because at least you're kind of like in tennis where like, you know, if it's like a borderline pitch and then, you get your chance and it's a crucial part of the game. You don't want the umpire or an umpire's mistake dictating, you know, the, the, the difference between somebody's, you know, season or, 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 or whatever. So it, it actually would take heat off the umpires a little bit, which I'm sure, I'm sure they wouldn't mind, but to go the, the, to go and say, we want the computer to, to dictate, you know, all the balls and all the strikes. I think that would take away a little bit from just like the, the human aspect of the game where like, if you're watching a game, and the umpire, like you don't like his zone or whatever. As a fan, like you can you can yell at him and like you know it just blow off some steam that way. But if it's a computer, like what are you gonna yell at a computer? Like it, <laughs> you know, people are it's gonna be weird. You know, like it's it's gonna completely just take away the pulse of the game. I feel like. But the challenge, on the other hand, is you know if you're hitting and, and it's a big situation and you know the ball, like it's a called strike and you know it's a ball, you challenge and. I kind of like that. I think that could be a cool, uh, a cool addition to the game of baseball. Um, And then at the same time, it keeps, it still keeps the, you know, the umpire involved. And also on the other, on the catching side, you don't want just, you know, anybody behind the, you know, you don't just want like a DH behind the plate. That's just, you know, knocking the ball down and and it's not going to be fun to watch. Like one of the most fun things to watch is to watch somebody that can receive the ball well behind the plate. It's just, it's one of those things where you don't even realize it, but if you put somebody back there that's, you know, just boxing the ball out of this out of the strike zone, and then you see somebody like you know Austin Hedges or whoever is like really really good at it, it's it's fun to watch those guys catch the baseball, and it makes it fun to watch. So I wouldn't want to lose, you know, I wouldn't want to lose that aspect of the game. I feel like it would it would be tough to watch, you know, catchers that aren't you know caring about receiving the ball. Yeah. For your pitcher, uh, I was gonna, I was gonna lead you right into that, and you, you did it perfectly. Do you feel like because I ran into a lot of arrogant catchers who claimed it, and I always said I feel like I know who it is because people will say, "Oh, Tyler Flowers was a guy who brought receiving in," and I was like, "I think Tyler Flowers was the one to bring in the one knee down." Do you feel like you were the guy that brought receiving into the game because you were really good at it? And people couldn't understand why you were really good at it. I, you know, I, I I'm not going to say that I, I'm the one. I think there's a through like throughout the history of the game, it's always it's just now that you can measure it now, right? And I think the timing of me, like I always cared about my receiving, and you know, I I perfected it by watching guys like Molina and watching other guys who were good at it too, and, and I would just you know find things that they do and try to apply it to my game. And, um, but I think just the timing of, of it becoming something that you can measure. That's why you can associate Well, like, you know, Russell was good at it when they started to met. So like, it's not true that I brought it in. It's just something that I recognize and something that I wanted to work on. And they just, they started measuring it while I was playing and, and I was probably one of the guys that was better at it. Um, 
but I think throughout the history of the game, there's been guys who, who've, who've been good receivers. They just, they didn't measure it, you know, back then like they do now. Um, but if you're, you know, it, it, and it's just, you're trying to get as many strikes as possible for your pitcher. And I think every, like most catchers who caught, that's what they're trying to do when they're back there. Right. Um, and, and, you know, so I, I wouldn't go, I wouldn't go to say like, I'm the one that brought it in though. I think I, I just got lucky in the, in the sense that they started measuring it while I was catching. And yeah, and you were really good at it, but were you miscast? Were you miscast? Were you too athletic to be a catcher? Like, should you have been a, a shortstop like you were on the Canadian or you <laughs> wanted to be on the Canadian I team? I, I mean, I was always a shortstop at heart and ever, ever since I was a, ever since I was a kid and uh, I got converted and and just you know just being an athlete, I, I think was probably the, you know what what got me into the captive position. And then I think being with the Dodgers and they had Adrian Beltre at third base, and he looked like he was going to be the guy for twenty years over there. So they're like, ah, you don't really fit at third base over here. You know, let's see let's see how those you know those feet and those quick hands and and the strong arm you know work behind the plate. And um, and I actually fell in love with the position because. I mean, you're so busy behind the plate. There, there's so many things going on. You know, there's like the blocking component, there's a receiving component, and there's just, you know, game calling. Um, and that's just on the defensive side, you know. And then, so it's like, and you're involved every single pitch. And then, you know, after going to that, uh, so after my first year of um, of pro ball, after a rookie league, I went to Instructs and, and they, I got converted there. And, um, and I had uh, John Debus, who uh, I think um, was a bullpen coach for a little bit for Terry Collins and, and with the Mets, and then I think he went to Japan and then came back. But uh, he was one of those guys that would just sit with me, and we would just watch. You know, behind home plate, they'd put, like, the, the screen that you put behind second base or in BP, and we'd sit right behind the catcher, and we'd just talk about game calling, what pitch to call. And, and so it just kind of opened up a whole new part of the game that I, that I didn't really – you know, knew existed in, until that point. And, and, um, and he, he's really the reason he, he showed me like the, the, the foundations of, you know, of catching and, 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 you know, the importance of besides all the, you know, like the physical things you do is like the mental part of it and, and, you know, how to navigate your way through a baseball game. Like those are the things that are hard to measure as a catcher and, and, and that are, mo- that are most important, you know, how to, how to, how to call a game, what to call. There's no, there's no book. There's no, there's no really right or wrong, right? It's just like it's almost like you're you're like dancing with your pitcher, and you're 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 trying to to figure out what's working that day, what he likes. Um, of course, now there, there's there's so much data, and 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 you can work, and you go, you just go with the numbers. But at the same time, you you do have to use your intuition a little bit, and 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 trust your gut sometimes. So I think there needs to be like a balance of of using the the, the proper data and, and everything, like all the information you're getting. But at the same time, you need to trust that gut and trust your in- instincts out there. And um, and that's what scares me a little bit about baseball nowadays. It's like everything is measured and, and, and it's all you just use the math. But like there are times where like, you know, there's veteran hitters out there that will make an adjustments. They'll they'll change where they're standing in the box and and they'll sit on pitches. And, you know, and, and, and it's just like even though he's let's say he's batting under 100 with the, with a slider, well, you know, if you throw a slider and you throw it for a strike and the guy's sitting on it, he's going to put a good swing on it. I don't care what the numbers say. You know, you could be in trouble. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Well, somebody that wasn't in trouble, we both got drafted the same year. You in 2002 out of Chipola, I think. Chipola. 
yeah. Chipola Junior yeah. College. Okay, so I was I was with the Blue Jays. You were with the Dodgers. And when I found out that you were – I thought you were 2004, but when I found out it was 2002, my mind started just writing down names of dudes that were in that minor league system from Mike Nixon, James Loney, Greg Miller, who never made it. You had Juan yes. Guzman at, at shortstop. You had Andy LaRoche. You had – who yeah. else did I put down? Um, Delwyn Young. Like Delwyn Young. Was was Reggie Abercrombie on that team, or was he not on He the was team? there, too. What a freak athlete he is. So all those dudes, all those dudes, and you have the highest war. You had the most successful career in the big leagues. Did you know that at that time, that that's what was, was going to happen? No. No, I was – I mean, as a 17th-round pick, you're just – you know, you're just hoping to, to, to get a taste of the big leagues, you, you know, like the, so, um, and there was, yeah, there was so much talent and, and, you know, the thing about when you're in the minors, you, or at least when I was playing, like, you don't know how good the next level is. Like, of course you want to be confident, but like, you don't know how good the pitching is. Like if you're going from rookie ball, then you go to a ball, like you don't know until you get there. So you don't, you don't really know how you're going to perform. And, um, and it's like you like to think that you're going to be able to compete and, and, and get to the next level. And but like, you know, and, and it's just and there's a progression there. And it's it's crazy how baseball, it just it takes longer at baseball than like most other sports. Like rarely are you going to see somebody go from college like straight to the big leagues. If that happens, like that's insane to me. Um, and it's just like level by level, you just you keep getting better. You acquire knowledge, you know, you work on things and 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 it's just like. And in every level, you can you can you can see that like everybody's better. Um, but the thing that helped me is at every level, I felt like the umpires got better too. And I've always had good <laughs> plate discipline, and like that's where like that part of my game. The more I progressed, the more that part of my game became relevant. Um, and and uh, so I felt like my hitting got better as the umpiring got better too. Um, strangely, now so, throughout that time yeah. that you guys were. You guys were all coming up together, those guys, and I'm sure I was missing a couple other dudes. I mean, there was just some names that started popping in my head. I'm like, Jim, any Christmas. Edwin Jackson. Edwin Jackson oh, was I there. I forgot wow. that. EJ was there, too. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. like there's, there's so, so many. There's so many. It was insane. And you Chad guys Billingsley. Just, Chad Billingsley was there, too. Broxton. Yep. Jonathan Broxton, Broxton was there. So, anyway, all that to say, you guys just kept winning championship after championship. It was like Vero Beach. I think you guys – either won it or you were close, close Jacksonville, yeah. Jacksonville, you guys won it. Like, yeah. did that set you up for all of your success that we talked about earlier in the big leagues, winning in the minor leagues, I think is important. And you guys did it so well. And now, you know, look at what happened at the, your, your entire career. You were winning and going to the playoffs. Well, I, I think what helps is, when you come up with like a core group and that, that group kind of moves up into the minors together and then you get to the big leagues together, it's uh, well, one, it, it's, it's less expensive for the team because you get young talent, you know, you don't have to spend extra money on, on free agents and stuff. And so when you have that core come up and it's like a core of young guys, you build around them and then you go get a couple pieces that you, you need. Well, that's when your 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 team is going to be pretty strong, and 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 the teams that have been really good at that are are some of the, the smaller market teams. They have to be good at it. Um, but when you're in a big market, and then you do that, then it's like you know you're you know you're going to be good. 
Um, but uh, I, I, yeah, so I think part of it is just obviously like you expect to win when you're used to winning. And when you bring that, it just follows you wherever you go. So I, I, I do agree with, with what you're saying is that that's all we knew. You know, we, we just, we came up together. We, we, you know, we battled through the minor leagues. We, we, we won quite a bit. And then that's just kind of comes become, it becomes part of your DNA and, and it's what you expect when you go out there. And we kind of just took it to the next level. And, and there were some growing pains. I, I feel like, you know, we had a good year in 06 and then 07, we didn't play as well. But then in 08 and 09 with the Dodgers, we, we made it to the, to the playoffs. And um, in 10, you know, I got hurt and we had another bad year. But, um, but yeah, there's a lot of guys that had some pretty good careers that came out of that group. So you made it to the playoffs every year. And you're also a testament of how freaking tough it is to win a World Series. Which year do you feel like – which year would you feel – not to bring up old wounds. I, I, just, I just scratched at a scar, but – it's yeah, real. Fresh. He just retired. I know. I'm just, I just <laughs> scratched it. He's younger than me, so he's just now getting into this, getting into this realm of, of retirement life. But which is it? Like, like which year was the year where you were like, there's just no way we didn't win the World Series that year? Man, honestly, the only my, – my, my last season in 19 with the Dodgers – I wasn't even like the everyday guy, but I felt like that team was unbelievable. Like, and then we got beat by Washington, but um, there, that that was the one where I felt like we had like a super team. Right? Like, uh, you know, like the, the crazy squad, you know, but um, all, all the other years I felt like it was, it was a battle. I remember having battles with, with the Cardinals, having battles with the Phillies, like those teams are always tough in the playoffs. They were so just a, just every bit as gritty as, as we were, and um, and they just found a way. They just you know they got that big hit at the right moment, um, and and that's kind of how the playoffs are. It's not always necessarily the best team on paper that's going to win. It's kind of like the hottest team and 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 who puts it together at the right time. Um, but I do remember one moment, my uh, my first playoff experience uh, playing against the Mets. I hit a double, but it was it, I hit a double in, into a double play, and it's the weirdest play that I've ever been a part of. My I think it's my first at bat, and it kind of set the tone for the whole like the rest of the series. I hit a ball to right field off the wall. Sean Green's in right field, and it's kind of one of those balls where it's like inside out, and you don't know if it's going to carry enough. Is it you know is he going to catch it? Like, anyways, he plays it off the wall perfectly. Dots a strike into the cutoff, man. And then at that point, I think Jeff Kent and J.D. Drew on, on the base. And, like, J.D. Drew is, like, going to tag up at second base. Kent is, like, right next to J.D. Drew at second base because he was on first base. And then the ball just caroms off the wall right into Sean Green. Fires to the cutoff guy. The cutoff guy makes a relay at home. And, like, Jeff Kent's just, like, running with his head down and, and JD, JD gets tagged out at home. And then, like, four strides later, LaDuke is standing at home plate. And, like, he's already fist pumping because he got the one out at home. And then the next guy comes in. Jeff Kent gets tagged out. Double play at home plate. And I'm standing on second base. I'm like, what the heck just happened, dude? Like, I hit a ball off the wall. We get no runs. And there's two outs now. And then we fight, we end up getting a run. But it was just like, what a def- – like, it was just such a – a deflatable 
moment, you know, like it's your first first inning in the in the playoffs and, and you hit into a double play, two guys out thrown at home plate. It was crazy, man. Legends Territory fam, we want to remind you all about our partnership with Shady Rays, premium polarized shades that will not break the bank. How you doing? And if you want to look as good as Eric Kratz, you can. And it is not going to cost you a boatload. It's a big reason why we've partnered up with them. And also, they take care of the people, Kratzy. Because you're not the kind of guy that, that loses stuff too often, I'm going to imagine, right? No. no. But, but you break you break a thing or two. You're kind, you're kind of big. You've got a little clumsiness to you, right? Yes. I will take these off and one of the arms will just snap off and <laughs> kind of makes me feel good because it makes me feel like I'm really strong, but also makes me feel good because I know the boys are going to take care of me and get me another pair. That is very correct. It's the most insane protection in all of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses backed by lost and broken replacements. If you lose or break your pair, even the first day that you get them, if you're clumsy like Kratz and you're like, damn it, and you're like, oh man. Um, they will send you a brand new pair, no questions asked. So you can wear them and feel good about it and feel clumsy about it and not worry about it. So right now, the best deal of the season is available for you only if you are in the foul territory fam. They are giving out their best deal if you go to shadyrays.com and use the code foul, F-O-U-L, for 50% off two plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over 250,000 people. I want you to tell me what you were thinking after you heard, Wado, oh. Wado. Take us from there. That was crazy. That that one that one goes to the fans. I they 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 totally got in his dome, you know, and, and you could just tell that it was one of those moments where you know, the city hasn't seen a playoff game in, in, you know, like 18 or 20 years or something like that. So, and, and, and everybody put their black shirt on and there's a sea of black in the crowd. And, um, and then Cueto, I think at that point already gave up one home run. So he's, he's probably feeling like, you know, a little rattled. Um, so I step up to the plate and the, and the crowd just starts chanting his name, Cueto, Cueto. And, um, and just, you know, he's playing with the ball in his glove and, and, and he's about to get on the mound and he drops the ball as the, as the fans are chanting his name. And so, and then everybody starts laughing and I actually, I, I get out of the box and I'm like, that shit's kind of funny. You know what I mean? And it, and it kind of just like, you know, I step out the box, like, and just take like a, like a nice, easy breath. I'm like, ah, you know, like, all right. Like it just kind of gave me like a, like a relaxed feeling. So I get back in the box, you know, get, get snap back into it. Next pitch, he kind of throws a cutter that really doesn't do much. And I put a good swing on it. And then you can just hear the roar. And and honestly, when I hit that ball, I wasn't sure that I got enough of it. And and I, and I felt like just like the vibrations of the, of the crowd and, and everything going on, maybe a little bit of adrenaline too, played a factor in it. But the ball just finds its way over the fence and, and, and we add to our lead. And, and that's kind of like the rest is history. But like, that chanting moment, it's just, it's, it's all about the crowd and, and it's just, you know, it's a, it's like, I don't know, it's like a minute clip, but it's, it's really cool to watch. We need that. I'm getting, I, like, I got goosebumps listening to you talk about it just because I see your face like changing and how like just that moment and like, you're in it, like you're in it. And you talk about like the vibrations, people don't understand that kind of thing in playoffs. Like 
yes, in the stands you feel it, but when you're on the field and you can't, yes, you can't hear anything, but you know there's noise is wild. And to have hit that home run in that environment has to be something for you that's like, um, I'm jealous. It was was unbelievable. And you hit two homers that game, right? Yeah, I hit another one later in the game. Yeah, Um, you did. Yeah, <laughs> I had a good game, man. It was, uh, yeah, that, that was that was a fun experience, man. Um, but uh, just just that first home run, though, and even just like before the game, like just making my way to the to the bullpen, it just you're you're jogging on the field, but like it feels like you're jogging on on air, like it's just you, the energy. I don't know how I I don't know how to explain it, but it just gets completely transferred. You know, when the people are cheering for you, like you can feel it and you, you can use it. And when they're cheering against you, it's like you're, it's like the wind's in your face and you're trying to, and you're trying to run against the wind. Like that's, that's kind of how I can, can explain it. Like there's one where like when the fans are with you, it's like the wind's at your back. And then the other way around is like the wind's right in your face and you're trying to, to battle that. Yeah. Um, you know, you don't see the wind, but it's the same thing with that energy coming from the fans. So with that being said, because I've been big on this for years, and I think this is starting to pick up traction even on social media and just from fans. Do you believe in fans giving more credit and benefit of the doubt and positive boost to players when they're struggling? So two easy examples this year, Trey Turner, we sat down next to him about a month and a half after that, and he has been on fire since. And Kratz goes, tell me that's not like the reason why you've been swinging the hot bat now. And he's like, that is the reason for real. He's like going through it for a while, feeling the, the contract on his shoulders and then delivers. And it's a city that would love to just give it to you. And they've done it for years and they just took a completely different turn. Do you buy into that? Where like fans should actually think about that. You could positively impact your team more than you think. Oh yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. I mean, you know, Philly fans are notorious for, for being tough fans. Um, but at the same time, it's even more gratifying when you're playing well and then they're cheering for you. Um, but yeah, when you when you, when you're struggling, like that's when you really need your home fans to kind of like rally around you, um, you know, instead of just like kicking you while you're down, because um, it's tough, man. You it, when you're struggling, you're going to the field like it's just there's nowhere to hide in baseball. Like your numbers are on the big ass scoreboard. Like you're walking, <laughs> you're you're walking to the plate and you're like man, I'm not even hitting my weight right now. Like, this is terrible, dude. And it's even worse when it's early in the season. You know, when it's mid-season or whatever, it's like you can kind of like – it gets disguised a little bit. But, like, you start the season one for 25, which I feel like I've done, like, multiple times. It's like you're hitting, like, 25, oh, 25. You're like, oh, my God. You know, and every time you go to the plate, you're like, dude, I suck right now. You know what I mean? They should – the home team should just, like – not put the stats up sometimes for guys. <laughs> like, it'd be better off so the fans don't see it. No doubt. No, I I can appreciate that. So <laughs> you compare like I, I like we need to clip what you just said about like going against the wind or the wind is with you because you don't you can't see it, but it is you 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 hit that perfectly. So I want you to compare that year. I think that was thirteen in Pittsburgh and 15 in Toronto, which I'm sorry that I have a ring. I have a ring from <laughs> from the Royals in 15. But, you know, I, I just had to put that in there. But yeah, compare the difference because you're talking about an indoor stadium, and there were so many things in that, like 
throwing you throwing the ball back. It hitting. Yes. Shin, was it Chu? Was it Chu that was? Yeah, Sinchu. Sinchu Chu. Crazy. That I mean, so that inning was. They're uh, they're very similar. Very similar because both teams hadn't made the playoffs in forever. Um, and then, so like you get like this crazy energy from fans who are just so hungry for the playoffs. And, um, and that's, that's, that's where the similarity is, is like this whole, like one was in Pittsburgh where the city would like the, the, the resurgence of like, you know, baseball being the thing in, in Pittsburgh. And then they said it was the same thing in Toronto. Um, the difference between Pittsburgh and Toronto, Toronto, you have the whole nation behind you. <laughs> so we were going like to Minnesota or Seattle and, 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 and even Cleveland, we'd go to, we'd go on the road and it felt like we were, we were having home games. It was nuts. Um, and then fast forward to the playoffs, like that, that series against, you know, the, the Rangers where, you know, that one inning, which would, and then the bat flip hurt, hurt, hurt around the world. You know, people remember the bat flip, but like there could be two completely different stories, you know, and, and, and thank God for Jose Batista for, for clutching up and hitting that homer. Cause earlier in that inning, I think we lose the lead. I'm throwing the ball back to the pitcher. There's a guy on third base. And it's one of those things that happens like once in a lifetime. And it's, and it's not even really a baseball play. It's just kind of unlucky. Um, you know, since you choose like fixing his sleeve and, and he just kind of throws his hand up and as he throws his hand up, I'm throwing the ball back to the pitcher and it just glances off his hand and it's a live ball. But at the umpires at first, they call dead ball. So the guy goes back to the third and and then so so you know the crew chief gets everybody together um and you know a couple of minutes go by and they're like you know what guys like it's a live ball the run scores well at this point the fans in toronto who they're just like the energy level could not be any higher right it's like they haven't seen a playoff game in a long time they're pissed they're throwing you know all the all the beer bottles like everything is just getting thrown onto the field where it gets kind of scary and like there's like fans that are close to like the, the home dugout and the away dugout, like, you know, there's families and kids there. It's like, you know, they, 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 they actually on the, on, um, on the microphone, like through the stadium, they're, they're like fans, like we're going to have to forfeit this game if you don't stop. So everybody stops, they pick up all the beer cans and everything. So this is like 30 minutes. Right. And, and, and we get out of the inning and we're, we're still in the game or whatever. And then the next half inning, like something crazy happens. One of the best shortstops, you know, defensive shortstops in the game makes a couple errors. I get on base. Um, somebody else, you know, hits like a, a ball off the, you know, off their freaking hands, basically, you know, falls in. We, we score a run somehow. Um, and you can kind of just, and then we bunt somebody over. Uh, Beltre throws to Elvis at third. He drops the ball. Like it was just like, and when we talked about energy and how it can affect a player, it's like, well, like those Elvis probably n never felt like himself for, for that inning, you know, after making that one mistake and, and the fact that it's in the playoffs, that's probably just what like heightens that feeling of like, you know, like not being able to digest the arrow and get through it. It's just like, it just stays stuck, you know, inside of them. And, um, and then, you know, a couple of batters later, Jose comes up and, and just crushes this home run and the whole stadium just goes crazy. The stadium's shaking. Like as you're watching on TV, like the cameraman is, is his camera shaking because the stadium's shaking and, um, and then kind of like the rest is history, you know, like the, the whole place went nuts and, and 
I heard so. I heard ESPN say or or, or some post on Instagram where like they should make a 30, 30, 30 for thirty on the, on that inning alone because that was a crazy ass inning. Yeah, I mean Ryan Ryan Goins dropping the bunt down. CC, you know, Colabello, like everyone rolling out of the dugout, possible fights, <laughs> and nobody can hear. You know, Dyson's <laughs> out there talking. At what point, whether any time of your Toronto, we just talked about two significant plays in an inning. At what point were you like, yes, like these are my people. These are my Canadian people. Was it when they were throwing beer bottles onto the, <laughs> onto the field? Was it when you walked into the, when you walked to the stadium and like you could feel the energy in the city? At what point were you like, these are my people? Because I remember when you signed, I was over in Japan on the MLB all-star tour. And Sal Butera was like, oh, my gosh, we just signed Russell Martin. And I remember uh, D. Hale, DeMarlo Hale, was on the trip, and he goes, oh, my gosh. He goes, we're going to be really good. And I was like, wow, the the rich get richer. We had just gone to the World Series, lost in Game 7 with the Royals. And, you know, you guys, we ultimately, you know, played you then in 15, but – you guys were priming yourself. So was that the moment when you were like, yeah, like I'm coming home? What, what was the moment where you were like, these are my people. I'm going to win this for my country. I mean, man, as soon as I signed with Toronto, it was one of those moments where like, I mean, growing up in, in 90, 92, 93, you know, like as a kid, I forget how old I was, but it was like, you know, I just like, you just, you start dreaming of like, man, one day, you know, it'd be, it'd be sick to put on like the Blue Jays uniform. So, you know, I, I, as soon as I signed with the Blue Jays from that point on, it was like, man, it would be sick to, you know, to bring a championship back home. Um, but, uh, you know, the Royals had to get in the way of that and, and just kill my dreams. <laughs> <laughs> but like, let's, let's, we, we, we honestly, we, we, we thought we had a shot, but I mean, your guys' bullpen was just lights out. Like there was, there wasn't many much hard contact after the sixth inning. If you guys had the lead, man, it was like, it felt like it was six inning games, and you had to have the lead before the sixth inning, or else it was just like shutdown mode. You know what I mean? Like you guys were just, and defensively too, like just, just yeah, you guys had that 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 grit component, man. It's just, you know, built for the playoff kind of. But, yeah, you, uh, yeah. You guys, you guys had you guys had the lineup. You guys could hit, but I want to talk about the hit, the hit at second base that Hosey took from Rugi. Now, yes. you know, you rewatch, you rewatch that, you rewatch the video. My buddy was on on the Rangers as a coach, blew his hamstring out running out there. Like it was full yes. tilt. Where were you in that? And I know you saw it coming, but where were you in that whole in that whole scuffle scrum? I, I, I was in the middle of the scuffle. But that brings you uh, the, the my proudest moment of our of our Canadian fans is when we I went to the field during the playoffs, and there was there was a sign on on the in the outfield that said we uh, rather get punched rather get punched in August than get knocked out in October. <laughs> and that was the sign. That that was the sign they had in the outfit. And I was like, "That's clever. That's clever." But I still wouldn't want to get like squared up like like Jose did, because uh, yeah, Rudnick man, he 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 squared him right in the jaw. He was Jose was lucky that he was wearing his mouthpiece because 
that was as clean as a right hand I've seen in any brawl in the history, you know, of the game. Like it was just, you know, obviously like there was a little bit of element of surprise in it. Like, but I mean, when you're in striking distance, you gotta, you gotta protect yourself at all times. Right. And then, uh, so yeah, so we get fast forward to the middle that, that, uh, that was, that was a nice brawl. That, that was, <laughs> there was some all kinds of action. Um, I remember, man, I, I, I feel bad because, um, Jeff Bannister, who, who was the bench coach in, uh, in Pittsburgh, um, I'm in the middle of the scrum, right. And, and somebody puts their hands around me from, from behind and, and trying to grab me and they're like, run, run. and I'm like, like, you know, you, you never know what's going to happen. I turn around. I just grabbed, I grabbed the, it was a sweater. I just grabbed the sweater and I turn around. And as I'm letting, like, as I'm letting go, I'm like, dude, that's, that's my guy. Like, that's my bench coach, man. And, and from Pittsburgh, who's the manager for, for the Rangers at the time. And like, next thing you know, I just get like crushed. I get crushed. I get speared from behind. And it was, uh, funny enough, it was, um, uh, Dyson. <laughs> oh, yeah. it, was, it, it was Dyson who, who grabbed me from from behind and then like as he speared me his kind of head is, is poking out beside me and I'm like well you know I, I kind of put him in a chokehold because he was like in that position and I'm just holding on and at that point like you're just you're at the bottom of the scuffle and there's like there's punches thrown everywhere and, and it's like I mean anybody can get squared up and like there's 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 people everywhere. It's like the most dangerous thing in the world. It's 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 crazy. The, the way it should be done was was the way Tim Anderson and Jose Ramirez did it. That's the way it should be. It's mano y mano, and it's like you get a couple. You know, you get a couple swings. If nothing nothing happens, you know that's fine. But like that should be like the textbook, kind of like how they do in hockey a little bit. You know, you like you let their guys let, let them get a couple licks in. You know, it's oh, because or else like you get blindsided, man. You you know something dangerous could happen for sure. That's a good call. It's exactly what I thought yeah. about. Hockey is like, you know it's coming. They give them a sec. Everybody gives starts them. Starts to get dicey yeah. or they're falling or whatever. And then, you know, the rest of it gets cleared out. Yeah, yeah. beer after the game. Right. Beer after the game. Exactly. Yeah. And you, like you the rugby guys teeth. do. Yeah. Yep. Exchange teeth. There, there was a, there was, I have yours. It's still stuck in my knuckle here. There was a little, <laughs> yeah, there, there was a little hate. There was a little hate in that rivalry. And, and I knew Banny from Pittsburgh. And I played for Gibby in Toronto and you know Gibby was going like this and Banny was like yep. whatever bro I'm in Texas man you know it gets yep. really and so that that hate kind of was fueled by the managers and Batista's flip no oh absolutely I mean that's where it all was you know on that play alone yeah Rugi tried to throw at Batista's face they had already yep. hit they had just hit Hosey and they had waited the whole year yep. to hit him you know yeah. It, was, it was a dirty slide. It was a dirty slide, though. Absolutely. You know? So, like, they both had reason to be pissed off. Oh yeah. Um, but the thing about Bannister, he had this thing. He had this saying, and he would say it in the clubhouse. He'd be like, you know, like, like you know, you, 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 some people say like dig your cleats in the dirt or whatever. He'd say like, you know, you just you just you just got to punch him in the mouth. Well, fuck, I guess Rudin had fucking took that advice literally, <laughs> and he fucking punched him right in the mouth, man. Like, he's like, coach, you told me to do it. Like, it's, it's like it's an expression, you know. Right? You're not supposed to actually do it, bud. <laughs> yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Last, last one for me. All right, and I want you to tell me what it's like because very few people know. Is there pressure to play in Toronto? Is there pressure in the sense of? You signing that contract, you being Canadian born, or 
is it like where some places, you know what, there's just not as much pressure? Because that's how the media portrays, well, you go to Toronto and some guys, there's no pressure there. Was there pressure for you? Um, Like the, the mediatic pressure, right, where it's, you know, obviously when you sign a contract, you want to perform. Um, you know, you, you want to be like, you know, you don't, you want, you don't want to get bad press. Um, but at the same time, like it's, 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 I guess the, the short answer is yes. Just like if you're playing in New York, like it's, you know, the media is tough. The media is tough in New York. The, the media is tough in, 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 in Toronto. Um, you know, but if you play well, then you're kind of glorified. And then if you don't play well, you're going to get bashed. But at the same time, you expect yourself to, to play well. So, um, you know, it depends on your perception of it and, 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 you know, true pressure. It's like, it's not real. It's not real pressure. It's just, you know, it's just, you have to deal with, if you're not playing well, you know, you're going to be in the spotlight. Um, and then that's kind of how it is. It's not like you're fighting for, for, for a meal. Like, you know what I mean? That's real pressure. Like, you know, like trying to put food on the table, like when you don't have money, like that's, yeah, that's, that's pressure. Yep. The rest is just like, you know, like you're going to get a bad article about you, man. Like, you know, like go talk to a sports psych and, and, and talk about it, how it's bothering you. And like, you'll get over it. You know, there's, <laughs> it's, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it, it's, so when, when people talk about pressure, it's really, it, it's your perception. It's your perception of it. It was like what you believe it to be. Like if you believe there's pressure, then there's, there's going to be, there's going to be pressure. Um, but at the same time, like, you know, it's, it's, it's almost like it's a privilege. Like, I don't know who said that, but I think it's Billy Jean or something. It's like pressure is a privilege and it, it truly is, man. Like it's, it's, you earn it. You, like, you know, it's, uh, but, but there are definitely some cities that are just, easier to play in where you don't have that, that added stress of, you, you know, if you have a bad game or you say something like, and, and I remember said, I said something in New York where I said something along the lines, like, man, I, I hate playing, I hate playing Boston. And you're like, you hate, you really hate, you hate mm. Boston. And I'm like, yeah, like, I, yeah, they're so tough. They're gritty, man. Every time you, it's like a, it's a grind every time we play them. And then the next day in the New York paper, Russell hates Boston. I'm like, dude, are you kidding me, man? Like, that's not, like, like that's, that's, that's what you guys get out of that. Like, and that's, that's how they do it. You know what I mean? And, and that's, so that, that adds pressure. Like next time you go to Boston, like, well, you know, enjoy that hostility. Mm-hmm. You know, you're on, you're on deck. You're like, Russell, you suck. You know, like, yeah, they're like, all right, man. Like, appreciate it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, way, way to, you know, I don't know, man. That's what but, sells. But like, it, it definitely, yeah, it definitely sells, and 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 and, and it adds, and it makes it, it makes it tough for players, though. So, so the guys that can that can perform in, in like in those like in those big market teams, and, and like in New York and, and Boston, L.A. You know, it, it's uh, you know, the players who who don't have to deal with it don't understand. You know how, how it can really it can impact you a little bit. Of one of those teams, and I'll skip the Dodgers because they did win the next year in in the COVID year. But of Pittsburgh, Toronto, and I guess the Yanks, just because for them it's been a lot um, a while since they won a title. When you're watching now, and you can just kick back and kind of enjoy it, not feel the pressure, say whatever. Do you watch any of those three teams or follow them and go like, come on, like either? rooting for them or like rooting for them to act. I mean, like I would say even act differently, like Pittsburgh, now they're going to go through this run again, hopefully. 
for them, right? They're, they've been in a rebuild for yeah. a while now. Like they haven't been good since yep. you were there. It's been a minute. And yep. you, you want to see them like all, all they talk about is they better freaking get us some players besides just the young dudes. Like, do you watch any yeah. of those moments or like Toronto? Like you've got talent. Like let's fucking go. Like you got to win one yeah. now for the country. Do you get yeah. any of those feelings with those teams? Um, a little bit, a little bit. I, uh, you kind of follow like your, your, your ex teammates a little bit, wherever they go, you know, you kind of root for those guys. Um, but a little bit more so for, I kind of always like to root for the underdog. So you, you always like to see like, you know, a smaller market team compete. Um, and I feel like Pittsburgh is always, they're kind of close, you know, they're just always missing like a couple pieces. And, um, cause they always, they, they, they build, but when, you know, when their good players get a little, little, uh, you know, they, they, they gain a, a couple of years and they get closer to free agency and then they're like, ah, oh, we can't just outright lose them to free agency. We need to get something for them. So it's like, they're always playing that game of like, and they're always just like, it seems like just like a couple of years off, you know, or if they, they make one move that, that doesn't work out for them, then they're, they're, they're set back like, you know, a couple of years. They can't just like buy out it. Like they can't buy themselves out of their mistakes. Um, but like you know, Toronto is always going to be one of my teams. I'm Canadian, right? So like, I, I like to see Toronto do well. Um, and uh, and now that I move on the West Coast, it's like I'm I'm back. Yeah, uh, I'm close to Dodger territory. So I you know I I do want to see the Dodgers play good. Um, and um, yeah, but 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 yeah, for short answer is just just the guys who I played with. You know, if I see, no matter where they go, you just like to see those guys play well. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Well, dude, it was awesome yeah. reminiscing and catching up with you. Um, you look great. I'm sure you could still, you know, strap him up and play like no big deal, yeah. right? Yeah, he looks definitely yeah. like he could. Could you do it? You feel the body feel good Ooh. to go? No? Oof. Too Oof. many miles? You're feeling it? Right, right knee. I think I need a little scope action on the right knee. Um, but I haven't uh, – I, I mean, I do feel pretty good. But, like, I, I think I could do it for, for, like, you know, maybe a couple weeks. There's that 162, though. <laughs> You know, you forget about that 162. You're like, I, you know, I can still throw whatever. Yeah, right. You got, you got six months in you. And like, no, I don't have six months in me. And uh, there's no way. But like, you know, just strap it on and, and play against the Savannah Bananas. I can do that. Yeah, I could probably pull that off. <laughs> <laughs> well, dude, it's great catching up with you. Thanks to the Players Alumni Association for setting up these combos. For more info on your favorite former players, hit up baseballalumni.com. And uh, Russell, really good to see you, man. Enjoy retired life and would love to do it again sometime. For sure. All right, boys, have a good one.